Hey sister friend, welcome to the Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast. I'm Jenny L. Taylor, a trauma coach, trauma thriver, and daughter of God, living loved. This space is for you sisters who want to begin healing and living fully, but the effects of childhood trauma keeps you stuck, scared, and unfulfilled. I'm so glad you're here. In this podcast, you'll receive trauma education, practical strategies, biblical applications, and motivational tips to support your trauma healing journey. So grab your journal, settle into your favorite spot, and let's get started. enjoy watching DIY and home renovation shows. I particularly like shows about house flipping, the entire process of taking something that was old and making it new, which involves breaking things down, refurbishing, fixing things that were not done correctly or were not safe. All this is done to create a house that is not only beautiful, but safe and profitable that would bring the new homeowners joy. In almost every project, there are unexpected problems. Sometimes untimely weather brings a project to a halt or there are delays in planning permission. Sometimes the trades don't show up or you get a project manager who is not on the ball. One thing I notice time and time again is that Sometimes the newbie flippers, they give up at the first big challenge, while the seasoned flippers move through it because they've learned to develop a strategy for the unforeseen and they're able to implement it and adjust their strategy depending on the project and the circumstance. The main differences I see between the two groups are experience in flipping and having a strategy. In the book of Nehemiah, there was a building project. Nehemiah was sad over the condition of the city walls in his hometown of Jerusalem, and he decided to ask the king for some time off to rebuild this broken city wall, which will serve for protection and safety for his people. Throughout that rebuilding process, Nehemiah also faced unforeseen problems in the form of enemy attacks, and he too had to rely on experience with God and a rebuilding strategy to get the work done. As you start or continue your healing journey, you are rebuilding the broken areas of your life. And like any project, there will be some challenges, there will be unforeseen delays or detours, And today, I want to provide you with six strategies from Nehemiah's playbook that you can use as you rebuild your life after the impact of childhood trauma. The strategies are taken from Nehemiah chapter 4 and chapter 6. I will go through the different attacks and I'll follow that up with your strategic response. So the first attack came in the form of intimidation by words. In Nehemiah 4, 1 to 3, we see Sanballat and Tobiah and their group of opposers mocking the Jews and planting seeds of doubt. They were angry that the walls were being rebuilt. You see, they were descendants of Israel's enemies who wanted to keep Jerusalem in ruins. So the first attack that they implemented was mocking and planting seeds of doubt. 
They said things like, you don't have the tools for the job. You are not strong enough for that task. You're wasting your time. It's already a mess. Nothing would, nothing you do would last. In verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite was so poetic in his mocking and intimidation. He says, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Doesn't this sound a lot like the critic that's in our heads, the one that keeps pestering us and trying to tell us that we can't make it, doing our healing work is a waste of time. This is one form that this attack can take. Sometimes it can be real life people in our lives who just do not want to see us heal for whatever reason. When these intimidation words and mocking come up, your strategic response is to take your concerns to God. In verses 4 and 5 of Nehemiah chapter 4, we see that Nehemiah did not address his mockers directly. He made his complaint to God so that God could fight for them and quiet their enemies. Depending on the version that you read, notice what Nehemiah said about the enemies. He said that the enemies were in fact provoking God. And I think Nehemiah knew something that we should all take note of. Anyone who comes against a daughter of God is also coming against God because you are the apple of his eye. In attack number two, when Sanballat and the opposition saw that intimidation did not work and the rebuilding continued, they got even angrier. This is found in verses 7 to 8. So they collaborated and created a plan to attack Jerusalem and cause confusion for the builders. In your healing journey, Satan will use the same attack. You would be doing your healing work, dealing with your emotions, focusing on what you are learning and applying new strategies to heal, when suddenly there would be an attack on your job or in your family that causes you to get so confused about what you should be doing and where you should be placing your efforts and your energies. When this type of attack happens, your strategic response is to pray, armor up, and take necessary action to protect your environment. In verse 9, we see Nehemiah shoring up the project. And for you, shoring up could look like guarding your thoughts, spending time with God, praying prayers of protection over your mind, your family, and for your healing. Remind yourself of the greatness of God, that God sees everything that is going on and he is more than able to handle it. God is the one that is actually leading you in your healing journey. So no matter what the enemy throws at you, rest assured that God can handle it. Attack number three is a little different because it came about from a shift in focus and somewhat from the inside out. Anyone in a prolonged battle or process of healing can become wary. That is human. We don't fault the Jews for becoming wary. Sometimes discouragement, fear and doubt will creep in. And if this happens, though, we can't stay there. We can notice where it's coming from and take action immediately. In Nehemiah, the Jews got discouraged when they looked at the amount of work that they had to do and the actions of their enemies. 
The builders also noticed that they could not do the work on their own. And the same goes for us in our healing journey. We cannot go this alone. We need community. We need connection. And we need relationships, healthy relationships to support us in the task. So the strategic response here is to encourage yourself in the Lord and get support. This process looks like renewing your mind with the word of God. Close the exposed areas where doubt and fear could come in and be very mindful of who you listen to. As you encourage yourself in the Lord, repeat his promises, promises for your life, promises for your healing, and listen to the loved ones who will speak life and hope into your situation so that you can keep going. Verse 15 also tells us that the workers kept on working and they kept guarding their surroundings. And this is what I'm encouraging you to do as well. Don't be afraid to call in reinforcements to support you in your rebuilding project. This could look like friends, trained professionals, prayer partners, church family. The key is unity and support. Nehemiah admonished the people to fight for their brothers, sisters, children, community, and their homes. So this was not an individual thing. In this life of trauma healing, everyone is responsible for doing their personal work because there are actions that only you can take. And while this might seem like individuality, there is also a call for unity. When one person becomes so vulnerable in their healing process, there needs to be a strategy to call for help and get support. On the wall, Nehemiah knew that the workers were spread out. However, if one worker and one area of the wall became vulnerable, Nehemiah used the trumpet to get everyone to that one place. And notice what happened in verse 20. Nehemiah actually said, watch God fight for us. When each person does their work, it contributes to having better families, better communities, and a better society. And when one is in need of help, we can all go to provide support. And that unity, particularly in praying communities, encourages God to protect his people as a response to united prayer. Verse 21 also reminds us that our part is to never let our God down. We are to stay prayerful, stay committed to healing, and again, work together. When the builders returned to the assigned section of the wall after supporting the vulnerable areas, notice that they did not return alone. Half worked while half were on guard. So my sister friends, we've got to have each other's back. Now we're going to jump ahead to Nehemiah chapter 6 because this is where the attacks and the strategies continues. And chapter 6 opens up and the work is almost done. There are only the doors left to attach. Yet even in these last stages, we see that the enemy tries to attack. Isn't that the truth in our everyday lives? The enemy just never gives up. It doesn't matter what stage of the process we're in. If he can keep us from rebuilding and healing, he will take that opportunity. In Nehemiah's case, attack number four came in the form of distraction. Sanballat and the opposition tried to call Nehemiah away from the work he was doing. 
When the work is nearing completion, you might be tempted to think you've gained some ground so I can relax a bit. I can coast to the finish line. Sisters, we cannot stop until the work is done and all our broken places are healed. I know I'm repeating myself and I think it's worth saying again. How long the entire healing process takes, no one actually knows, only God knows. But what we do know is that God will heal one area of our lives at a time until he has completed his good work in us. Back to Nehemiah. So Sanballat tried to call him away from the project and he sent messages four times to try to distract and get Nehemiah to leave his post. And each time, Nehemiah's response was the same. So let's look at the strategic response for finish line attacks. Nehemiah developed intimacy with God so that he could have discernment for the journey. Remember, the attack here was about distraction, being called away. And sometimes when we're in our healing journey, we may get calls to do things that may not necessarily be bad, but the timing just may be off. And God wants us to stay focused on the task of healing, saying no to the other calls, maybe to do something at church or to take on a role at work, not necessarily evil things, but things that are just going to distract you from the healing work that God wants to do. Nehemiah stayed focused on the work because he knew what his enemy was like and he also had experience with God. So he was able to discern that this call from Sanballat was actually intended to hurt him. And when you are continuing your healing journey, getting to know the voice of God so that you can exercise discernment is very important. The enemy will not stop, as I said, once he sees rebuilding happening. So stay consistent, stay focused on the task, always be attuned to where God is leading so that he can tell you where you need to be at any specific point in your journey. Nehemiah and the people stayed faithful, so the enemy decided to come with another attack. When the previous distraction attempts failed, Sanballat created or tried to create rumors through accusations. He sent an open letter this time, an open letter, so people can read it. People could see what's going on. He knew what he was doing. This open letter accused Nehemiah of wanting to be the king, and it says that the Jews were preparing to rebel. This was meant to attack Nehemiah's integrity and force him to defend himself and the work. Again, another form of distraction because if Nehemiah is busy defending himself, the work isn't getting done. If you face such an attack where people accuse you of doing things or being a certain way, take note of where this attack is coming from and what the enemy is trying to get you to do. Your strategic response, when accused, stand firm on God's truth and don't jade. Like Nehemiah, stand in the purpose and mission, knowing why you are on this healing journey and don't engage the enemy. 
I just mentioned not to jade and jade is an acronym for justify, argue, defend or explain. So the strategic response would be stand on God's truth and don't justify, argue, defend or explain your position. Instead, stand on the truth of who you are in Christ. God knows your heart. He knows your motive. People would not always understand where God is leading you, why you're doing what you're doing, and may call you to defend and explain. It might be tempting, I know. We all want people to think well of us. We don't like people to get the wrong impression of us. But in a case like this, where the enemy is making up the charges and calling us to justify, argue, defend, or explain, you can see clearly that it's a waste of time. And that's exactly what Nehemiah noticed. And his simple response was, there is no truth to what you're saying. You're making it up. And this is in Nehemiah 6 verse 8. In other words, Nehemiah was saying, I won't be distracted from my work to answer your trumped up charge. After standing in truth, like Nehemiah, return to your healing work with even more determination. Attack number six. This attack came in the form of setting a trap. In chapter 6, verse 10, we see that Nehemiah took some time to visit an ailing countryman. And this is a good point to note that even while we are doing our healing work, we can also serve and support others. We are not meant to walk through this life alone, and our healing journey isn't really meant to be all-encompassing. We do have life to do, and part of that life is to be of service to others. In this case, though, Nehemiah was visiting a so-called friend, and this friend was used as an instrument in implementing attack number six. In verse 10, we see Shemaiah tried to draw Nehemiah into the trap. Sanballat had hired him to try to scare Nehemiah into acting out of fear for his life. The enemy is a master at using fear to cripple us, and when we're in fear, we often respond in ways that we would never respond when we're thinking normally, when our nervous system is regulated, when we are calm. It is important to notice the actions of the enemy, and when fear comes up, we got to take those fears to God, reading scripture, speaking truth to it, so that we do not fall for his schemes. So strategic response number six would be don't give in to fear and every time the enemy comes, take them to God. Nehemiah was connected to God so he could discern the attempt to trap him. When the rumors and accusations didn't get a rise out of Nehemiah, the enemy tried to cause Nehemiah to sin and catch him in the act so they can have actual proof to discredit him. And in verse 14, once again, Nehemiah did not try to fight his enemy on his own. He did not try to defend his name. He turned to God, giving his enemies over to God for God to deal with them. Finally, in Nehemiah 6, verse 15, the wall is finished. It took 52 days. Can you believe all this drama happened in 52 days? That's just over seven weeks. To me, that just shows how relentless the enemy can be, but it also shows me that the enemy was defeated. 
When the enemies heard that despite everything that they tried, God's work was completed, the Bible says that they were frightened and lost their self-confidence. They finally realized that the rebuilding work was completed through the power of God. Sister friends, while you are working to rebuild your life, know that God wants to heal you and nothing can stand in the way of God's plan for your life. There may be ups and downs. There may be a lot of pain as you deal with the emotions. There may be challenges. But again, cooperate with God in your healing. And today I've given you six strategies that you can apply until the work is done. And I'll just recap those strategies for you. Number one, take your concerns to God and let him deal with your enemies. Remember, when the enemy comes against you, he is coming against God. Number two, pray armor up and take necessary actions to secure or shore up your environment. Number three, encourage yourself in the Lord and get support when needed. Number four, develop intimacy with God so you can have discernment for your journey. Number five, when accused, stand on God's truth and don't jade. Don't justify, argue, defend or explain. Number six, don't give in to fear. Each and every time the enemy comes at you, take them to God. God will fight for you. As you pursue healing, it may feel like when one area is rebuilt, another broken area is revealed. And that's okay. A lot of people get really scared when they think about their lives and the healing that needs to take place. However, Celebrate every healing milestone that you complete. Humanity is complex. We're all complex. And for many of us, the trauma is also complex. When you experience healing in one area, you will grow stronger. You will become healthier. You will pick up new skills and be better equipped to deal with the next area that needs healing. And from my healing journey, I recognize that it's true when the Bible says God does not give us more than we can bear. He starts gently supporting us, building us up, and then he introduces the new area of healing that we need, but not until we're ready and supported enough to take that step. Stay encouraged, my friend. Stay vigilant. Keep working and keep moving forward. God is with you in your healing journey, and you've got this. If this podcast encouraged, inspired, or taught you something, do share it with another sister friend who needs support in her healing journey. I would also love for you to go to Apple Podcast right now and leave a review for the show. Thanks for listening. I'm cheering for your healing. Until next week, breathe and be blessed.